It's something for nothing. The Rush Fan Cast. Jerry and Steve with you. Jerry, we've made it. We're going to talk about the final Rush live album tonight. Yeah, it's one of the things you know, like when we finally talked about Clockwork Angels, and I was like, "Uh oh, there goes our safety net." It really goes our safety net, right? <laughs> but this is great because this is the culmination of Rush's career in live form tonight. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into the specifics of how great the tour was a little bit later, but yeah. Oh, absolutely. You can find us on Twitter. We are at RushFanCast. Instagram, find us at TheRushCast. Email Jerry, TheRushCast at gmail.com. Rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Bass intro and outro. As always, Lex is here. Never fails. And Jerry never fails with the email. What you got for us? Well, this email is so interesting. A listener named Ben sent it to me. Hey, Ben. He said, you guys may have heard or seen the new chat GPT, an artificial intelligence chatbot that you can ask questions to and get instant AI generated text on any topic. Have you heard about this thing? I have not, but it intrigues me. Yeah, evidently it's supposedly a very advanced AI chatbot. I'm not exactly sure how advanced it is. Or if it could pass the Turing test in the state it's in, but people are going crazy for it. Um, but Ben says, I asked the AI to compose a song about something for nothing, the Rush fan podcast, mentioning Steve and Jerry in the style of Rush. And I got the following lyrics instantly. Oh. So <laughs> this is the lyrics to a song about our podcast, mentioning the two of us supposedly in the style of Rush made by this artificial intelligence chatbot. Oh, this is going to be awesome. First verse is Steve and Jerry, they've got a show where they talk about Rush and let the music flow. They've been at it for years, never missing a beat. Their passion for the band is truly unique. And that's not a very good rhyme, beat and unique. <laughs> so already the AI is not doing so great. And the chorus is, they give us something for nothing. Their love for Rush is never ending. They share their knowledge and insights. For all the fans who are listening. Wow. You like that? You like that chorus? Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, the second verse is they've interviewed members of the band. Not true. <laughs> and shared their stories with the fans. They've covered every album, every song. Their dedication to Rush is second to none. Also not true. <laughs> and also not a rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> also not a rhyme. And then there's the chorus again. It's the same. And then there's a bridge, if you can believe it. They've created a community for fans to come and share their stories. They've brought us all together through their love for Rush and their podcast glory. <laughs> and then it, then it does the chorus again. Also not true. And then he said at the end, I also asked to compose a Rush style song about Benjamin Franklin discovering electricity. <laughs> See attached. <laughs> I'll send you this song about Benjamin Franklin discovering electricity, and I'll send it out on the the email. I'll send it. I'll send it to everyone on our email list because it's pretty funny too. But there you go, Steve. We have an artificial intelligence crafted song about our podcast. If someone wants to put it to music, this would be the perfect time to do it. That's what I was going to say. We need someone to put it to music now, and maybe correct the lyrics that are incorrect. <laughs> do you think it really captured the spirit of Neil's lyrics? <laughs> no i don't not at all it has a ways to go i guess it entertained me though so that's great thanks ben for the email that is awesome yeah i told him it was 
probably one of the best emails I've ever received on any subject. It is absolutely the best email we've gotten, for sure. For <laughs> absolutely. sure. So today, Jer, we're here to talk about R40 Live, Rush's final live album, final album, and final live video release. Both the CD and DVD were released November 20th, 2015, and the DVD, Jer, was directed by our pal Dale Heslip, yep. who we spoke to on episode 77 of this podcast. I know, 77. Yeah, that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Performances were recorded June 17th and 19th at Air Canada Centre in Toronto, with the exception of four bonus tracks, Jer. The Camera Eye was recorded in Kansas City on July 9th, 2015. Clockwork Angels recorded in Denver, July 11th, 2015. The Wreckers recorded in Buffalo, June 10th, 2015. And Losing It from the final show in Los Angeles with Johnny Dinklage on violin on August 1st, 2015. Now, I was hoping that it was from one of the shows that we saw. Because when we saw them twice on that tour, Johnny Dinklage played Losing It at both shows. Yes, he did. But he also played it at the final show, and that yeah. had to be the most emotional of the three, I would think. Yeah, but I was really hoping it would be from one of our shows. Oh, of course, of course. Three discs, 195 minutes, and 57 seconds running time. That is a record for Rush, even. Yeah, that's huge. Huge. Disc one is set one, disc two is set two, and disc three is the encores and the bonus tracks. And the cool thing is that Rush included every single song on this CD that they played on this tour. The album went to number 24 on the Billboard 200, Canadian album chart number 30, and UK album chart number 47. Those are pretty respectable numbers. Yeah, definitely. And unlike Clockwork Angels tour, this did not go platinum, and I think I know the reason why, Jer. Why? Why is it? I think sometime between 2012, when Clockwork Angels Live came out, and 2015, when this came out, people stopped buying DVDs. Oh, yeah, you're right, probably, yeah. Yeah. People are just streaming them or renting them on their from their cable company or stealing them from some... <laughs> From some strange site. I mean, nobody buys DVDs anymore, right? No, not at all. I don't even know if I have a DVD player. The only DVD player I have is my son's Xbox. Oh. Which plays DVDs, thankfully. There you go. I would never have thought that that was a DVD player, but what do I know? <laughs> anyway, this DVD went gold in the U.S. and Clockwork Angels Live went platinum. So there you go. Okay. And unlike Clockwork Angels Live, this album covers Rush's entire career from beginning to end, that was a cool kind of concept they did there. Yeah, it was one of the most interesting concert concepts for anyone to do. And I think that because they knew that this was going to be their last big tour, I think that's what Getty said, that they knew that it was going to be the last big tour. And you and I knew it too, and everybody knew it. Oh, yeah. Because before we went to see that for the first time at the Prudential Center in New Jersey, I think we talked about whether or not this was going to be their last tour. Yeah, and unfortunately it was. Yeah. So they wanted to go out on a high note. It's just such an interesting concept to play a selection from their entire career chronologically backwards. Yeah. I mean, they could have just had a selection 
of songs sprinkled throughout, but it was such an interesting concept from beginning to end. And I love the way they changed their gear and their stage setup for every single section of right. their career as well. That was cool. It definitely was cool seeing some of the old set pieces come out, like the rotisserie chickens Yep, and the washing machines. What tour do they have the washing machines? Do you know? I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm just amazed that they still had all that stuff. <laughs> I remember somebody on the crew would come out every once in a while and right. take things out of the washing machine and throw like a t-shirt into the crowd. Or base the chickens. Or base the chickens, right? Somebody would come out in, in a chicken costume <laughs> right. and base the chickens. But one thing I noticed is they didn't play any songs from Presto, probably because they threw out those big top hats with the bunnies in them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they probably didn't have those still around. Those are huge. It's like trying to, uh, it would be like keeping a Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade float around. <laughs> and because of that, we didn't get to hear Show Don't Tell. Darn it. Oh, that's true. The interesting thing is that between this tour and the Clockwork Angels tour, they played at least one song from 18 out of their 19 albums. Wow. On this tour, they played songs from 16 albums. And on the previous tour, they played songs from an additional three albums. So the only album they left out was Tess for Echo. But that's a pretty good way to go out on their last two tours is to have such a breadth of songs. And that's obviously why they didn't play synthy songs from Hold Your Fire or Power Windows on this tour is because they played a bunch of them on the previous one. Right. They pissed off Chuck last tour, so they're going to make Chuck happy on this tour. Right, and just ignore them entirely. <laughs> so before we get into the music, they played a video prior to the show called The World Is, The World Is, which is pretty much an animated journey through Russia's changing music and, more importantly, their changing fashion styles over the years <laughs> yeah it was pretty funny i don't know if you remember the two shows that we saw um but they had like a sign at the beginning that was region specific mm -hmm. like for the state or the city they were in i think they did it the entire tour but on our two shows for the prudential center in new jersey the sign said we don't pump our own gas <laughs> which is <laughs> something that people in New Jersey, you know, it's kind of almost like an inside joke. I guess, I don't know if everybody knows that New Jersey is now the only state that doesn't allow you to pump your own gas. I didn't even know that. I thought Oregon still did it or didn't do it. No, they finally, you know, don't treat their citizens like children I guess, and let them <laughs> pump their own gas. Is that how we're treated? Like children? They don't want us near the nozzles. <laughs> They're afraid of what we're going to do with the nozzles. I can't blame them, Jer. Yeah, I guess not. And then in New York at Madison Square Garden, the sign said, our pizza is better. And it is. Yeah, because New Yorkers love to brag about their pizza. Well, Rush fans love to brag about Rush's final album, so let's do it, Jar. Track one is The Anarchist. Now, this is not Rush's typical opener, but I think it was a pretty darn good choice. What do you think? 
Well, I think because it starts off with those drums, it's a great way to start the show. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a curtain dropping lights up kind of moment because of the, the way the song starts. I thought they might've gone with BU2B since they skipped it on the last tour, but the anarchist is one of my favorites on this record. I really can't argue with the choice really. No, I, I think it's just a great way to, to kick off a, a concert. So, and I love on Getty's vocals where you get that megaphone effect, like Wyland used to do with stone temple pilots. Yeah. He used to use an actual megaphone though, right? Oh Yeah. Yeah, he was really into it with that megaphone, too. I got to see them once. It was great. Did he do it on a lot of songs or just a couple of songs? I saw them do the whole first album, pretty much, and he pulled that thing out on every song. (laughs) It was great. The one thing about this album is that Getty's voice is not as strong as it is on, I think, every other live album. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, I thought about this when we were talking about Clockwork Angels Live, why why I remembered his voice not sounding so great. And I think this is the tour that I was thinking of. Yeah, I kind of remember it on a couple of tours at individual shows, not like every show we saw on different tours. But I think on this one, yeah, his his voice is, is kind of going a little bit on, on a few songs. Well, look, I mean, he was getting up there and it's hard to do this every night. I know. Every single night. And the selection of songs that they played, very hard to sing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, we love Getty and we love track two on R40. It's Headlong Flight. They really could have done any two songs off Clockwork Angels, and I would have been happy. But this kind of had to be one of them, didn't it? Absolutely. You know, it's like I said, it's my favorite song on Clockwork Angels. And it's just a great rocking song to really keep this concert going into high gear. These are the two songs we saw at our two shows, the Prudential Center in Newark and Madison Square Garden in New York City. But on other stops on the tour they also threw in clockwork angels at a few stops and the wreckers made an appearance as well and both of those are on the bonus tracks on this disc so clockwork angels got got a lot of play on this tour do they open up the concert with the anarchist every time or yes different songs yes oh, a okay. couple of a couple of shows they threw the wreckers or clockwork angels in between these two. Oh, okay yeah mm-hmm. gotcha and they omitted a song later in the set Gotcha. Yeah. But by this time, they've perfected this song, haven't they? Absolutely. Definitely compared to the Clockwork Angels tour, there's a lot more interaction between the three of them Mm -hmm. during the drum solo part. Right. Which I love. Yeah. Neil's just going out on top here. Yeah, absolutely. And as you like to say, this is the rushiest Rush song ever. (laughs) It is the rushiest Rush song ever. Um, And, you know, it's... This tour was not easy on Neil. No. So he's playing his his heart out from the get-go, and it's got to be tough. And if you think about how much pain Neil was in while you're listening to this album, you really just can't believe how well he's playing. Yeah, if you didn't know, you wouldn't know, right? 
I mean, we know, and it, you still can't tell that anything's amiss. Oh, no, you can't tell at all. But it's yeah. just a miracle how great this sounds. Yeah. All right, track three on R40 Live is Far Cry. Moved on to Snakes and Arrows, Jar, and Rush has chosen three of their heaviest songs to start this show. Yes. And this version is faster. It is. Than the recorded version, the, the studio version. Yeah, I think so. And Alex's solo is better than on the studio version, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And there's a lot, he's doing a lot of subtle differences between the studio version and this. He does a couple of really cool things right after the first chorus. Again, I don't know what he's doing, but as we always say, he's ripping everyone a new one, right? From the very beginning. Oh, absolutely. And as you said, this is a set list for the fans, and the fans would love to hear this song for sure, and they did. Yep, I agree. All right, track four on R40 Live is The Main Monkey Business. about you jared but this wouldn't have been my second choice of snakes and arrows but it fits so perfectly into this set doesn't it right that's exactly what i wrote down too it's not the song i wanted to hear off of snakes and arrows if you were to ask me what song did i want to hear off snakes and arrows i would never have picked the main monkey business right but it sounds great i mean how many other tours have they even played this on i don't know they played it on quite a few but it's not the song we would have wanted to hear yeah but Getty, Alex, and Neil knew that this was the song we should have heard. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And we did, right? That's right. Yep. It's just a killer, heavy version of this song. And, you know, after hearing it, I wouldn't have picked a different song, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. Look at that. We agree. Finally. <laughs> after all these years. <laughs> all right. Track five on R40 Live is How It Is. Sometimes with a last Again, Jaron, inspired choice off Vapor Trails. What do you think? Well, that's what Getty said at the beginning, right? This was a song that kind of got got lost, dropped between the cracks. Mm-hmm. Swept under the rug. Yeah. 
and it's a special one for a few reasons. And it was great to hear this. Again, it was it would not be the song that I would pick off Vapor Trails. But like you said, uh, I'm glad they did. It's a great version. Yeah. And we finally got to hear it live, which is awesome. Yep. Yeah, Getty said they discovered it during rehearsals. Yeah, I wonder how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> they rehearse a bunch of songs, I'm assuming, and then just take songs out. Is that what happens? Yeah, I guess. Maybe just one of them started playing it. Maybe Alex started playing it just on a whim. Yeah. And they just played along and said, you know what? Why don't we do that one? It's in. It's in. And a couple of shows, they replaced this with One Little Victory. And I don't believe they did that at either of the shows we saw. Let me take a look. Oh, they did. Look at that, Jer. They played How It Is at Prudential Center, and they played One Little Victory at Madison Square Garden. Nice. Look at that. Look at that. Thank you, setlist.fm. <laughs> Track six on R40 Live is Animate. As we mentioned, Jared, Test for Echo was skipped. Yep. And I would bet that this would be your choice off counterparts, wouldn't it? Yes, but if they were going for a deeper cut, it would have been great to hear um, between Sun and Moon. That would have been a, a really cool deep cut. Yeah, I was thinking Double Agent for some reason might have been cool here. They're never playing Double Agent, Steve. <laughs> Nobody's playing that song. Come on, man. Nobody is playing that song? I bet you there isn't a Rush tribute band in the world that has ever played Double Agent. Challenge accepted, says Vicky Flyer <laughs> Hudson, the spirit of Rush, right? Vicky, I know you're listening. Challenge accepted. You guys got to do Double Agent. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't wait to be corrected. She's going to have to have one of the other guys do that deep voice, though, right? Right. Unless they, she puts something <laughs> on her voice. Anyway, this song was always great live. Animate, the drums are just amazing. Yeah, and there's a one part where everybody just kind of brings it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it just is kind of grooving really hard, which I'm not sure they did on other other tours. Yeah, I don't know. But it was just definitely was a, an, a, just another accent that really gave this song a, a, a little more spark. And after this song, we move on to Roll the Bones and the title track, which is always a fan favorite. I would have gone with Dreamline if it was me, but since they played that on the last tour, I think they decided to go with Roll the Bones. Yeah, and the best part about Roll the Bones this time around was the video during the rap. Yeah, the celebrity rappers. Yes, Gone was the skeleton. And I'm going to try Who Do you remember there was Tom Morello was in there. Peter Dinklage was in there. Yep. Um, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Mm -hmm. That's about, that's all I can remember. Jason Siegel was in there, wasn't he? Oh, Jason Siegel, right. He and Paul Rudd were doing this. Doing that at the same time. And what about the guys from the that show? Oh, the Trailer Park Boys. Yes, the Trailer Park Boys. Yes. That's right. Because I know that Getty said that they just kind of sent out emails to all of their celebrity friends. Yeah. And asked them to record themselves on their phones doing it. So it wasn't even like a professional setup. They just had people 
record themselves rapping along, which I think is a really cool way to do it. Keeps costs down. Oh, for sure. So after this, Rush also skips over Presto, as we spoke about, Hold Your Fire, and Power Windows. And the previous tour was really Power Windows heavy, so I totally get it. And the last show was synth heavy, so this one isn't, right? Yep. Which brings us to track eight on R40 Live. It is Between the Wheels. I think the last time we saw them do Between the Wheels was on R30, right? I'm not sure. I didn't double check that, but I think you're probably right. It's a deep cut and a fan favorite. The fans went crazy whenever they saw this. And now that I think of it, yes, the R30 tour is when they played it for sure. Yeah, definitely. And it was an interesting pick from Grace Under Pressure. Again, probably would have picked a different song. Not that I don't like this song, but. They're pulling out, you know, the oldies, the dusty songs that they don't really play a lot. Yeah. Well, the cool thing was we saw two shows pretty much back to back and all the songs that Rush swapped out, they swapped out on the second show. Yeah. So we saw Between the Wheels at the Prudential Center, and then we saw Distant Early Warning at Madison Square Garden, which is probably the other song that you would have chosen if you were picking something off Grace Under Pressure. Absolutely. And of course, Alex's solo is the highlight of Between the Wheels for me. Of course. He's, he's tearing it up at the end. Absolutely. So this brings us to track nine on R40 Live, which may be my favorite on the whole disc, Jar. Losing. This particular version of Losing It is from the Toronto show, and this is the first time they ever played Losing It, Yep, this version that we're hearing on this. And Getty says, well, we may screw it up. (laughs) (laughs) But they didn't. Well, they didn't. No. And it was cool that, you know, Ben Mink came out on stage to reprise his part on the electric violin. Yeah, and he's the perfect person to do it at the Toronto show, being from Toronto and being such great friends with the band. Mm-hmm. And what an amazing job he did. I mean, that solo was yeah. epic. It was totally epic. Absolutely. And imagine being at that show and being surprised by that. We kind of knew it was going to happen, didn't we? We did. I'm not sure how we knew because we tried not to find out the set list beforehand, but I think we knew somehow. 
Yeah, but we didn't know who was going to be playing the violin, and at our shows, it was Johnny Denklage. Yes, that's true. Well, I guess I guess we knew that they had played Losing It, but we didn't know that they were going to play it at both of our shows. Right. We really got lucky. We got so lucky. Because I was so, so happy and so thrilled to hear it that first show. And I didn't think there was a chance in hell they were going to do it again at the second show. <laughs> I know. And then when Johnny came back out, I was like, oh my God, they're going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, they played it five times on this tour and we saw them do it twice. feel really lucky. I really do. Yeah. One of the highlights of my Rush fandom is those two moments right there. Yep. I agree. All right. Track 10 is the last one on disc one and the last song on set one and it's subdivisions. ending to a perfect set what do you think Jer? yep totally totally solid version of subdivisions great opener great ender right in the middle of a set whatever right in the middle of a set be anywhere <laughs> and the funny the funny thing is that at the end uh getty says something along the lines of you know due to our state of decrepitude we must take a, a wee short break <laughs> that's a great word decrepitude right but yeah, it's a it's a, just a great way to, you know, bow out for a little bit. Man, what a what a solid version. Yeah. So far so good. And set 2 opens of course with the perfect opener, Tom Sawyer, and this is another great version of Tom Sawyer. We got the South Park open mm-hmm. as we become accustomed to by this point. And another song that's just perfect anywhere in the set. Yep. And I think on this song Getty's bass sounds the best for some reason. I'm not sure why. His bass always sounds great. Yeah, but it's really like up front in the mix and you can really make out a lot of stuff that he's doing. I was just thinking while they were playing Tom Sawyer, they're playing this song just as well in 2015 as they were in 1980, which is incredible to me, really. Yeah, you're 100% correct. And they played it at every single show. (laughs) Every single show. We never got sick of it. They never got sick of it. They actually played it before the Moving Pictures tour, right? When they were kind of like still workshopping it. So they've been playing it even longer than Moving Pictures has been out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Track two in set two is YYZ. thoughts on Rush's choice for the instrumental in set two, this over La Via Strangiato, Jer? Oh, either or for me. I love YYZ, so I'm happy with it. But it's interesting to me that Neil didn't put his drum solo in YYZ like they did in 
in the past. That would have been a, a real interesting nod to their previous tours. Well, I think the reason they didn't do that is because this is one of the songs they swapped out at other shows. Oh, yes. So ready for this, Jer? Yeah. At Prudential Center, they didn't play YYZ. And at Madison Square Garden, they did not play YYZ. But they switched them out with. We saw the camera eye at Prudential Center and Red Barchetta at Madison Square Garden. Both of those songs appear as bonus tracks on this particular album. We did not see YYZ this tour. I don't remember not seeing it. (laughs) Because we saw it so many times. How could I remember which show we saw it at and which show we didn't? It's it's impossible. Well, I, I think it's great, though, that we saw the camera eye again oh i'm sure we were beside ourselves yeah and of course red barchetta always a great live moment they could have played red barchetta 20 times in a row and i would have been fine (laughs) (laughs) that would have been a great set (laughs) the best set ever 20 red barchettas (laughs) red barchetta here's another song about a car red barchetta (laughs) again i just thought listening to yyz just like with Tom Sawyer, the boys still got it. Oh, yeah. I wrote down, now we're cooking. And as Getty and Alex proved at the Taylor Hawkins tribute, they still have it. Yeah, they still have it. I mean, after playing so long, right? Yeah. It just has to be muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Just being so awesome. Yeah. All right, track three on set two is The Spirit of Radio. One thing I was thinking when I was listening to this, it's very odd for this to be in the middle of a set. Right. But they kind of had to because they were going chronologically, and if they were going to play it, they had to put it in the middle here. Right. I mean, where else are you going to put it? You have to put it, you know, in release order. And you could put this anywhere, and it's going to be amazing. It sure is. Three iconic Rush tunes back-to-back, Tom Sawyer, YYZ, and The Spirit of Radio. Yeah. And the next two, Deep Cuts. Indeed. Track four is Natural Science. And you know I love seeing natural science live and i love hearing natural science live on a live album yes it's one of the greatest rush songs i know i say that there's so many great rush songs but so complicated and so intricate so it's great seeing it live i feel like this song was made to be performed live yes i agree even though it's very cinematic in its presentation on permanent waves, it still just translates so well to the live show. Yes. And the solos that Alex does on the record, they're amazing here. They're incredible. Yeah. And the interesting thing is at the two shows we saw, they didn't play natural science at all. Oh, okay. I can't figure out why I I guess I'd have to go through it piece by piece and figure out what they swapped in but they went right from the spirit of radio to the next song that's on this disc, 
which appears as track six on disc two, and that is Jacob's Ladder. about you Jared, but i remember when they started playing jacob's ladder i was just like they're playing freaking jacob's ladder <laughs> i know i we had never seen them play jacob's ladder right no yeah and i never thought i would see them play it yeah i just remember when it started everyone was so happy that this crowd roared yeah when they started playing it and we got lucky enough to see them do it two shows in a row they didn't right. swap anything out they played it both times and we Went freaking bananas both times. Yep, we sure did. And three songs off Permanent Waves on this disc, and why not, right? Yeah. I mean, I I was just going to say, if you're going to play three songs from any album, it might as well be Permanent Waves, but I guess that's not true. It might as well be any of them. Yeah. (laughs) They could have played three songs off Test for Echo. I would have been okay with that, too. (laughs) Well, let's not go that far, (laughs) but you know what I mean. All right, all right. Track six on disc two is Hemisphere's Prelude. And again, this fits in perfectly in this set, doesn't it? hemispheres if there's one song that i would want them to play entirely it would be hemispheres like they played 2112 that one tour in its entirety i would love to have seen them do hemispheres me too but i think you would have loved to have seen them do it on the hemispheres tour and not here (laughs) because no look like we said before i love getty but he couldn't really hit the notes Um, on this and they had to put this in a lower key just for him to do this part yeah that's true and the whole thing, I don't know if he could have done it. He could barely do it when they recorded it. You remember us talking about that, right? Yeah, it's true. That's a really hard song to sing for anyone. Yeah, of course, yeah. But here, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's just such an, an, inter- again, an interesting choice. But the, the next song, too, excellent choice. Yep, track seven is Cygnus X1. remember hearing getty's bass at the open so thrilling <laughs> i know right right i mean i we've said this about a bunch of rush songs the intro to them is so 
incredible mm-hmm. that everyone loves it from the start. But just to hear boom, 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 and and the crowd just welling up and just going crazy. Yeah, because by by this time we're deep into the old stuff. Yeah, and to hear them pull out Cygnus, everyone was just totally, totally into it. And this sounds just as tight as on that 1977 album we listened to from the Farewell <laughs> right. to Kings tour, doesn't it? I know. Yep, sure does. And it segues beautifully into Neil's drum solo called The Story So Far. Yeah. And your thoughts on the solo? Well, I think it's it's a very subtle solo. It doesn't have a lot of the bells and whistles from his previous solos. Yeah, I agree. It seems heavy on like technique, mm-hmm. which is cool. I think at this point in the show too, I think at the beginning of the second set, he was playing a replica of his first drum kit that he used, Chromie, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. So maybe he just didn't have all the tricks that he could pull out on that kit, so he kept it a little more simple. Or maybe he was in such pain that he decided to keep it a little shorter than normal, right? I guess so, yeah. Um, um, yeah, that's a consideration. It's possible, right? Yeah, but it's a great solo. And sticking with the Farewell to Kings, they play Closer to the Heart next, which they play on almost every tour. And <laughs> yep. here it's just as great as it always is. Yeah. Again, I'm not sure why they played. I think they could have dug a little deeper and played something other than Closer to the Heart. Like Cinderella Man. Like Cinderella Man would have been great. Oh, yeah. would have been awesome. Yeah. But look, like we said before, they're here to please the fans, and the fans want to hear Closer to the Heart, Jer. Yeah, one more time, right? Yeah. On the last tour, they want to hear it. I mean, how do you skip Closer to the Heart on the final tour? You almost can't. Yeah, I agree. All right, I take back what I said. And you also can't skip track nine, which is Xanadu. This is another one. The buildup is just unbelievable. Such a good version of the song. And please tell me that we saw them do Xanadu, right? We did. We saw them do Xanadu both times. So these three songs they played at both shows. And as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure from here to the end did not change at any of the shows. Okay. So from Cygnus X1 Book 2 Hemispheres, they went, Right to the end, the same way every show. Yes, I agree that it's a great way to end a show, so I wouldn't have changed anything either. A Xanadu, man. Oh, what a great version of this song. Alex is just killing it. And at this Toronto show, every song you wish they would have played, they played. They play Xanadu. They play Natural Science. They play The Spirit of Radio. I mean, what didn't they play, you know? <laughs> right. I know everything but the kitchen sink. And, of course, playing all these 10-minute songs meant they had to neglect certain areas, which is why no test for echo, no hold your fire, no power windows. I mean, you got to get these songs in, so something's got to go, right? Yeah, something's got to give. And this version of Xanadu might be the best live version of Xanadu I have heard on a live album. 
everyone sounds great. Bass is great. Drums. Alex. Alex, King of the Hill. Yep. All right, Joe, we're to track 10 on disc two. It is 2112. Again, what perfect live rush show is perfect without twenty one twelve? Has to be played. Has to be, right? Right. This is the this is the Tom Sawyer of the early years, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Have to play it. This song was played more than any other rush song in their career, I believe. Oh. Yep. Sure you don't want to check that before you make such a such a bold statement? I'm making that bold statement. <laughs> Overture and Temples of Syrinx are the number one played rush song i will look it up but i'm not gonna do it right now not gonna do it right now okay and you're gonna hold me to it if i'm wrong um sure let's say i will okay it's it's gotta be it's got to be it's not tom sawyer tom sawyer didn't exist until 1980 yeah that's true right yep but they played overture temples and then presentation yes a surprise yeah and grand finale and grand finale yes but i think presentation was an interesting addition i would have loved to have heard the whole thing myself yeah the whole thing yeah that would have been that would have been great but there's only so much time jerry we can't do a four-hour show i would have liked to have heard that but <laughs> you just can't do it it's true right all right jerry we're to track one on disc three ready mm-hmm. mel's rock pile good evening i'm rock and mel slurrup and uh we're gonna have a lot of fun tonight because before we get to the headliners that you guys have paid the big bucks to see, we have an opening act that uh, I think is going to keep you bopping and grooving. Uh, now, these guys have been playing together for a couple of years. They've opened twice for Kiss. How about that? Unbelievable. These guys have actually opened for Kiss. <laughs> Mel's Rockpile. That's right. I forgot about Mel's Rockpile. <laughs> Eugene Levy. Now, is this a character he played on SCTV? Oh, I don't remember. Because I never watched SCTV, so I don't know. I used to watch it all the time when I was a kid, but I, I just don't remember all the characters. But it's very funny. It is very funny. Mel's rock pile. If they keep it up, maybe they'll pick up a few new members, he says. <laughs> Three guys do not a rock band make. <laughs> oh, so funny. But his sense of humor is right there with Getty, Alex, and Neil, so I can't... <laughs> I can totally get why they used him for this. Yeah. Very cool. Which brings us to track two on disc three, Jer. Lakeside Park and Anthem. I'm 
was really looking forward to playing Lakeside Park. Me too. Me too. Yeah. First time since 1978, the Farewell wow. to Kings tour. How about that? That's just something special. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, Getty was struggling a little bit with the vocals as we got yeah. to these earlier songs. So it was a little tough for him, but it was still well worth it to hear this song. Yeah, I agree. And then right into Anthem. Yep. That's just, that's just uh, you know, pulling the train into the station, right? Yeah. I mean, with the encores, I mean, can you do better than those two to start off? Nope. And I love how Getty introduces Alex as Mr. Lifeson on <laughs> <Yeah>. lead guitar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it only took 40 years for him to be called Mr. Lifeson. Right. Very formal. And the last encore, Jar, what you're doing in working men. finally made it to the debut yep and it's i i think it's, it was a great choice putting what you're doing in there first time played since the all the world's a stage tour in 1977 how about that wow so this is the first time we've seen them do it for sure true is that the deepest cut do you think of the night i think so yeah for sure yeah but they should have probably played this before then don't you think i don't know i mean if, like I think we said before, if you're going to play anything from the first album, it's, you know, working man. Right. But they played in the mood so much. You would think they would pull out what you're doing once in a while. Yeah, I guess that's true. I'm actually surprised they didn't go within the mood here. Well, they're, they're, they're digging deep, digging deep. And we love it. And working man, for me, this is the second time in the concert that I really feel like Getty's bass is like in your face. For some reason, I could just really hear him clearly. Mm Mm-hmm just going crazy on his instrument for sure and at the end they just throw in a a couple of like a like a a measure from their song garden road which wasn't never released on an album i think it was released as a single yeah i think so yeah in the early early days so they did a, a, a little bit of that just as a nod to going even past the first album yeah which which is very cool i mean they really ran the gamut here and at this part in the show, the stage is bare. It looks like a gymnasium. <laughs> There's like a disco ball hanging from the ceiling. And Alex's amp is like on a wooden straight back chair. So this is bare bones. This is the beginning of Rush. Yeah. And I'm sure that's where so- his amp was back in 1972 <laughs> or whatever it was. Right, exactly. And Getty says at the end, We hope maybe one day we'll meet again. Yep. We sure do hope we'll meet again. I know. It would have been great. So Jared decided to look up the top 10. Are you ready? I was going to wait till next episode, but let's do it today. Okay. All right. So let's see if you can guess. I've got the top 10 songs. I'm going to count Overture and Temples as one song. One song. Okay. Okay. These are the most played Rush songs. Correct. And I'm supposed to guess. Yep. I think you can do it. In order? In random order. Okay, good. You get all 10, no matter what order, I'll give it to you. Um, well, I, I, I'm assuming one of them is 2112, like you said. Number one. 
Number one. Okay. Overture and Temples. Overture was played 1,374 times, according to wow. setlist.fm. Temples, 1,390 times, which I'm not sure how that even worked. <laughs> but they played Temples by itself without Overture 16 times. So I'm going to count those together. We'll, we'll call it 1,390. Okay. Um, let's see. Another one's got to be Tom Sawyer. Number four, 1,204. Uh, another one has to be subdivisions that is number nine 929 times very good jar spirit of radio yep number three 1294 mm. it beats tom sawyer just simply because it came out a year or two earlier god they have to all be old songs right i'm gonna have to go with um working man working man is number 10 907 okay. man i'm struggling here why can't you're I not think struggling of you got you got five I know, but I mean, I'm struggling right now to think of five more songs <laughs> that they played so many times. One we talk about all the time when we talk about the live albums. Oh, Closer to the Heart. Closer to the Heart is number two, 1,308. So I need five, six, seven, and eight, Jer. Huh. Wow, people are screaming <laughs> Jerry, at their wireless speakers right now. I really, I can't even, I don't even know. I can't even think of three more songs. I'll give them to you. Number five is YYZ. Of course. 1,060 times. Number six is In the Mood. Oh. 1,047 times. Never would have guessed that. Number seven is Xanadu. Wow. I, I wouldn't have guessed that either. 966 times. And number eight is the song you always look forward to, Jar. 937 times played. Free Will. Limelight. Oh, man. <laughs> well, you always look forward to a lot of songs, so that could have been anything. I do. I do. That could have been anything. Well, I mean, I got six out of ten. That's not so bad. You did. You did. Still a failing grade, but still. So we did mention the bonus tracks that are on this disc. One Little Victory, Distant Early Warning, Red Barchetta, Clockwork Angels, The Wreckers, The Camera Eye, and then another version of losing it, this one with Johnny Dinklage from the final show, as we said, August 1st, 2015. And that's a great version, too. And I ask you this after every live album, Jer, where, where does this rank? I mean, this is the last show. This is, this is the most emotional of the live records, I think. Yeah, it's, it's hard for me to rank this one because, like I said at the beginning, Getty's voice isn't the strongest mm -hmm. on here. So just for that reason only, I mean, something has to be the last one, right? I don't, I don't know, man. I can't, I don't, it's like ranking the songs. But losing it's on this one, Jer. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's difficult to rank them. I can rank like the top three, but the rest of them just shades, you know? Yeah. I'm going to say I like Clockwork Angels Live better than this one. Okay. I agree with that. Because we just talked about these recently. I'm going to pick that one over over this one although i really love this too it, it's just hard and in no matter where you put it somebody's going to be disappointed yep so steve there's a thing i forgot to mention i'm sure you remember that we were giving away a copy of taking center stage the dvd set oh i remember that's the thing you forgot to give away for about a year that's the thing i forgot to give away <laughs> for about a year that's exactly right <laughs> well i finally gave it away thankfully to one of our listeners Nick, and he lives in Germany. 
Awesome. And he was very happy. Yeah, he was very happy to get it. So, And how much did you have to pay to ship that to Germany? Oh, let's not go over that. <laughs> it was mailed with love. Let's just say that. It would have been easier if you had a winner from New Jersey, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's right. You could just put a stamp on it. You can find us on Twitter. We are at RushFanCast. Instagram, find us at TheRushCast. Email Jerry. Let him know what you think of R40 Live as opposed to the other live albums. TheRushCast at gmail.com. The bass intro and outro, that's Lex. He's always great. And Jer, I hope you have a quote to wrap this up for us. I do. From Closer to the Heart. Oh, nice one. You can be the captain, and I will draw the chart. Sailing into destiny, closer to the heart. Thanks, Jer. See you later.